0: What's up, guys? Welcome to Bird Watch. I'm Christian Clark, the Pelican beat writer for Null.com and the advocate. Here today, a couple hours after the Pelicans were officially knocked out of the postseason, uh, a pretty disappointing loss to the Spurs. They made it close in the end, but it really wasn't you know, a terribly competitive game. They, they got in a big hole early on, and they were just weren't able to, to really dig out of it. Um, that's kind of been their story in the bubble so far. Um, I wanted to go over today's loss and, and kind of what's to come next for this team with Andrew Lopez of ESPN, someone you guys know really well. Um, Andrew, what's going on? Uh, What did did, did you make of that today? Um,
1: I'm pretty sure that the intro that you just gave, uh, Pelicans fall behind early, come back, make it a game, fall behind late, uh, could be said about a number of games this year. Uh, And I think that's the problem, inside the bubble, outside the bubble. And it was just the consistency was never there with this team throughout the year, and I think that was kind of the big thing to me is um, do you, you, they, they stretch together some bad games, but then you're like, man, they're not really this bad, and then they stretch together some good games, and you're like, oh, man, like, are they really this good? And, and they, I guess the answer was somewhere in the middle, but um, I know the end kind of maybe didn't go the way some some fans would have wanted, but if you just said, you know, beginning of the season, this, this team would have been in the playoff race, Toward, I guess, I guess we can say this is the last week of the season, I guess, um, and they end up finishing 11th or 12th, or you know, uh, I guess technically they're going to be 10th in the lottery standings. But Utah um, took it, but I, th- I think because of the disappointment, it does kind of sting a little bit uh, for Pelis fans. But you know, this is this has just been an inconsistent team all year.
0: Yeah, you're you're absolutely right, and you know the thing I've been kind of wrestling with in, in the hours after this game is. Just how much stock should you put into these games? Because it is such a weird situation. I mean, like there's just probably never going to be another time where you know they're not able to play five on five for for four months straight. Um, but on the other hand, too, it's like all these all these teams went through the same exact thing, yep. and you know the Pelicans were really, you know, one of the few who who just didn't they didn't really look like they wanted to be there for a lot of it. I mean, I would say three of the six games, you could you could question their effort. And that's just, that's just not a great sign. It's just not very fun to have to sit here and talk after a must-win game about uh, did a team give enough effort. I mean, the answer was clearly no in this game. I mean, J.J. Redick, you know, pretty much said it. Like, we just, we just you know, we weren't trying hard enough from the beginning. Zion Williamson said the same thing. I mean, there's, you don't have to look too deep. The Pelicans didn't try hard enough.
1: Yeah, it was nice to hear Jay, uh, You know, obviously, you knew JJ was was, was what he was going to say. Um, JJ's always going to have that, I think, type of reaction to to these games. But I think the the hearing Zion say, you know, that wasn't acceptable was was pretty good to me. Um, I I liked hearing him be upset. Like I think you want him to be upset about something like this. And uh, they just, I mean, I. We bet we asked this to Gentry, we asked this to um, to Drew. More than one occasion, we asked them about the effort, and and they all said, "No, it's not effort. It's you know this this team is making shots, or this team is doing this." I I can't I can't agree with that. Like it was clearly effort at times. Um, was it effort all the way through? I don't, I don't think that. I think you. You know. You, there were times that you cared. There were players who cared, I think 100%. But the problem is you didn't have that kind of impact for 48 minutes. There was one game early on where I remember J.J. Redick saying, I think it was the Utah Jazz game, uh, the first one, where J.J. said, we played a 42-minute game. And I think there was just a lot of instances of the Pelicans playing 42 or less-minute games. And... That was the major problem: is they, they couldn't get things going, and um, the starts are are inexcusable. There's no way you should start like that, and I and at least twice, I think they fell behind by double digits in the first three to four minutes, and then came back to tie it in the next four to five minutes. And it's like, where was that to start the game? That that doesn't make much sense. And then the the clutch issues I think have have been have plagued this team for for quite some time not just the this version and I think that is also another problem that uh, needs to be looked at once we do get to uh, to an off season, whenever you know whenever an off season actually shows up
0: yeah I think you know the clutch issues this season are understandable they're a really young team I think for the most part young teams just go through those sort of growing pains I mean just just the effort is is not what's understandable at all I thought in this game against san antonio you know jj reddick was you know one of the only guys who you could you can confidently say you know went balls yeah. to the wall for for 48 minutes i mean maybe you could throw in josh hart i mean i i thought josh you know gave really good effort for the most part during during these six games of bubble play but i don't think there's a lot of other guys you can lump in there and you know i understand why why fans are so mad i mean that is incredibly frustrating and And when you ask, you know, well, well, why was the effort bad? Um, You know, I think coaching is a discussion you can have. Um, I think that's part of it. But I will say, too, I think the Pelicans issues, you know, go deeper than just coaching. Um, I mean, I think part of it is, you know, do you have enough dogs on this roster? I mean, I think part of it is just NBA teams. They they take on the personality of their, their best player. I mean, I, I think it's a question of who the Pelicans best player is. I mean, Zion Williamson when he's healthy, clearly, but I don't think Zion was in the proper shape to to give the effort that he wanted and, and we're accustomed to seeing. I mean, you can you can just turn on the tape of what he looked like at Duke compared to what he looks like at now. I mean, he's a monster on offense. That's not gonna change, you know, no matter even if he's not in the best shape, but he's just he just can't move on defense right now. I mean, he—I don't even think. I think even if he wanted to, he couldn't move the way he needs to.
1: No, and I think that's a that's a big thing. And, and Zion Bubble Zion looked a lot different to me than regular season Zion, even after the 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 start with the minutes. Um. I know. I, I know. It's probably not what fans want to hear, but. When you're someone of Zion's body size and body type, 13 days without basketball activity is, is going to affect you in a different way than it's going to affect if, if me or you went 13 days without basketball activity and tried to get out there. We might be sore the next day or whatever it is, but uh, it, it's going to affect Zion differently. And he, he didn't look like the same person. Um, you know There was only a limited amount of five-on-five work that he was able to do but his his getting his conditioning to to a top level is is something that they're going to have to work on with him i think throughout you know the early portion of his career he is a guy who is going to have to and this is you know this is something we talked about before the season uh he's going to have to make a LeBron James level of commitment to his body in the off season in order to play seventy eight eighty two games a year. Obviously, if the Pelicans hope well, close to hundred games a year, if you're you know obviously you're you're pushing in the playoffs, but for him to get there, there's there's work to do. Um, he did not look like the defensive guy that he was at at, at Duke uh, at all. Um, you got to remember, there were people talking about him. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it was if it was this bad, but or this good, I should say. Um, there were people talking about him as being the best offensive and defensive prospect in in the 2019 draft. So there was a lot there, and he was he didn't look as ready as I think he would have liked to be. And I, I do think some of his frustrations in the bubble were because of that, and because of the way they were you know kind of handling his minutes i there was a a part in in the game on sunday where he scores the first eight points so he scores eight straight points in the third quarter and he makes that great spin move on Pirtle, gets to the d- goal dunks it and then the next possession he's out and that's when you kind of see him on the bench kind of hit you know that like he threw a towel down or something not not like he was you know like angry but he was upset at the situation and i think to to me that's kind of the 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 biggest thing is is he has to get better on the defensive end right away, and you you saw glimpses during the regular season, but he's got to get back to where he was, even in the regular season where he was you know playable on defense um, before he makes that next leap. But I think for him to do that, he's going to have to make that commitment to his body in the off season uh, to get where he needs to be.
0: Yeah, I saw some people on Twitter saying after this game. You know, smart people too, like Kevin Pelton, who um, you know I have a lot of respect for, saying, you know, Zion has not been good in the bubble. I don't know if I would go that far. I mean, I don't, I don't know if like I would just yeah, consider I, him a net negative. I probably not. Um, I but mean, I, I hear, I hear the point.
1: Points in twenty minutes uh, yeah. a night is is still good. It's not, but I, I I get it because he hasn't been there on the defensive end. But I think his offense just outweighs that. I mean, he he was still. A fifty-six percent shooter in the bubble, he was still uh, he averaged what I think, um, I just I just had it up. Uh, he averaged eighteen points, eighteen point four points in, in twenty point seven minutes a game. I mean that's, that's pretty damn good. So, uh, I, I don't I don't know if he was a, a, a negative, but um, he was clearly better um, in the in the actual regular season.
0: Oh, I I would agree with that completely, and, um, you know I think. You know the steal and the block numbers, are something you can look at. Um, you know, go look at his steal and block rates at Duke. He was just an absolute monster at forcing turnovers. He was first in the ACC in steals, sixth in the blocks. He's played over a hundred minutes inside the bubble now, and he has not had zero a steal or a zero. block. Yeah, uh, it's it's pretty crazy. And that was, you know, he didn't have zero uh, before this break, but the steal and the block numbers were way down. He just he just wasn't that guy who could come out of nowhere on the defensive end and. I even think he was, he was more mobile. I mean, as far as his body goes, like J.J. Redick has said it publicly. I mean, Zion can literally be the best player in the NBA if he decides to get in really good shape. I think that's totally true. Like Giannis Antetokounmpo this year is going to win MVP and he might win Defensive Player of the Year. I've seen Zion play 24 games, and I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I'm saying Zion has that ceiling. Like he can legitimately be that guy in a couple of years if he decides to just go all in on, on working on his body. Well, that's an enormous if
1: and, and here's here's to this and this is not this is not just us saying these things this is not just media hyping up zion like nba folks are saying like jj reddick who i mean i would respect jj reddick's opinion on most things basketball on damn near all things basketball jj reddick is the guy saying he can be the number one guy on a championship team he can be an mvp like mv like Guys who are in the league, who who, are, who know basketball, who have played basketball, know what this guy can be. There's a reason why, as good as John ja Morant was, there was it was a no it was a no-doubter who the Pelicans should have taken at number one. I mean, nobody tried to come through and say, even back then, maybe there was one or two guys who were going to say it and then go back, oh no, I said. No one really thought that he shouldn't have been number one. And because of the the generational type talent, that's why the NBA put the Pelicans on opening night. That's why the Pelicans put, I mean, the NBA put the Pelicans on Christmas Day. That's why the NBA put the Pelicans to open Summer League last year in prime time and then open the bubble. It's because of Zion Williamson. And they recognize the star power that he has. And he is, he came into the league is the most hyped rookie since LeBron. And I I don't think it is just hype, but he does need to make a commitment to to getting everything under control. And I think if he can get his body where he wants to where he can consistently play 75 to 82 games a year in the regular season, and we don't have to worry about conditioning, and even if he's playing 32, 35 minutes a night, he is going to be a force. I mean, just look at what he was able to do offensively when he was, you know, seemingly quote out of shape. Consider you know of how he played in the bubble. Um, there was a one. There's that one game where he jumps from outside the lane for that layup on uh, right at the goal, where Drew's trying to tell him to pass it out um, to to somebody on the three pointer, and, and he just goes up and he just lays it in. He does re ridiculous things on the offensive end. Um his touch around the rim is, is just insane. I mean there's there's at least yeah I, I can make you a, a a a video clip of twenty shots this year where he's been around the goal and I'm like, all right, there's no way that's going in. And then somehow the ball gets in the rim. And I'm like, I don't even understand. So he is a, a he is still a generational type talent. Like don't let these bad six games or five games for him throw anybody off. Uh, but if he wants to unlock those next levels there's there's a commitment that he's going to have to make
0: yeah the the touch around the rim is crazy and if if you just sit there and watch him warm up i feel like he misses a lot of bunnies too like i think he's totally a guy where you know when the lights come on i mean he can just turn it on i mean that that game against the, the first game against the spurs was a perfect example of just you know hitting four threes out of nowhere um you know he's so good I, I, that
1: i still can't believe that happened <laughs> That that was that was one of the more ridiculous things I've ever seen in person.
0: Yeah, I mean he's so good that his bad games are good. Like I would consider this yeah. um, this most recent game against the Spurs a bad game for him, and he ends up with 25 points. He makes half his shots. He gets to the free throw line six times. Like he didn't really do anything in the first half, and then it's like in the third quarter it's like boom, 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 and then you look up, it's like oh my god, he has 25 points. I think he's only played one bad, bad game, and that was against the Clippers when, you know, they were just getting crushed, and yeah. it was like, what's the point anyway? Um, I I mean, even his bad games are good. Uh, it's it's unbelievable.
1: And I think this is where you can look at. In the 19 games that he played this season, he had, uh, heading into the bubble, only three, only four of the first 19 games that he had, he had a negative plus minus. He's had a negative plus minus now four of the five games he's played in the bubble, and all four have been way worse. Uh, I don't want to say way worse. I think t- today was today was minus twenty one. That was the worst one of his career. Uh, but he was minus twelve, minus sixteen, minus seventeen. Those are the four worst plus minus games of his young career. Uh, his previous worst was was the minus eleven. Um, I think against the Bucks, where the Bucks really kind of just took him out of his element. That game, he was five and nineteen. So to me, there's still so much there where he he has so much really to 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 just to grow. And I think because of the way he was playing before, the expectations were so high for him, and missing those three scrimmages, not having that you know missing all that basketball activity, it really did hurt him. Um, you know, we like I said, I, I go back to what I said earlier. I know, like, how how can somebody who's this good lose so much in two weeks? And it's just he has a unique body type. He is not going to be a guy that fits into a box of he can miss this and then not come back. Other guys who like, they were other guys who missed time who who were, who were on schedules. Now, granted, they weren't on teams who were trying to fight for a playoff spot, but you know, I I, I don't have I don't think. Playoffs, were ever the ultimate goal for this team this year, um, and they accomplished some things that they wanted to accomplish. Uh, ultimately, uh, even though you know things were within reach there at the end.
0: So, if you would have asked me before these six games, like, do you, is is this stretch of bubble play going to change your opinion about the Pelicans that much? I probably would have said no. Um, these are just such strange circumstances. I don't think they changed my opinion at Zion that much at all. Um, I mean, I, I pretty much think the same thing I think about him. I think my opinions about you know maybe Lonzo Ball and and their Favors fit in this team have have shifted slightly. Um, did you know? They, I think they both had pretty have had pretty poor showing so far. Uh, maybe we could start with Lonzo in particular yeah. because these have been I, these have been six, brutal the, I've games. Been driving,
1: I've been driving the Lonzo train all year, so uh, I can I can feel my bandwagon's a little bit lighter behind me right now. But, <sighs> Zo, it was it was it was a disappointing bubble for Zo. Um, his his last games before the break. His last five games, he was averaging 20.8 points, 7.8 assists, 7.8 rebounds, 2.2 steals, and shooting uh, 53% from the field, 51% from deep, while I think making three and a half or four three points a game. Absolutely his best ball that he had played all year. Bubble Lonzo was not. Bubble Lonzo averaged five and a half points, I think six and eight, 6.8 assists, 5.7 rebounds in there steals were almost cut in half, and then the shooting was way down, 26%, 19.7 from three. It was about as bad as he had played all year. Um, Following the game, uh, somebody uh, tweeted those stats out, and he said, make sure you tweet my blank uh, next year. Um, And to me, it was just that that was like, look, I, I... I was disappointed because I thought they would be able to continue what they started. And it just didn't look like his interest level was there um, at, at times, whether that was diving for those balls or I I think when Alvin Gentry said it on after the Spurs game, he said, I think we need to do a better job of letting mistakes go and moving on to the next play. Um, that
0: I Here here it is.
1: I, I think we've got to do a little bit better job of being able to move on to the next play when things are not going good. I, I think that kind of speaks to Zoe. There's some turnovers that Zoe does where he, he hesitates on the next player. He looks to the ref or he does something. And, and the other team's off and running. And it's like, dude, get, get back real quick. You can complain after. And um, I'm, I'm not selling all of my Lonzo stock uh, right now, but i I get fans who are now completely off of the Lonzo bandwagon because it is so frustrating for him to have been playing so well really from December to to the to the hiatus and to just have six really bad games once he got to Orlando.
0: Yeah, Lonzo, I think, is such a polarizing player in part because he's such a unique player. I mean the people that love Lonzo. I mean, if you if you say anything bad about Lonzo on the internet, first of all, they'll find you. Um, I mean, Frank, I did they, these they player were, they, were,
1: they were coming after him for when. Remember that first stretch where Frank played like an extra two minutes, and, and people were like, well, "What? Where's where's Lonzo?" It's like it's just minutes, dude. Like relax.
0: Yeah. Well, the people that love Lonzo will say, "Oh, he's, he makes everyone around him better. He's a brilliant playmaker. You just don't get it." And you know, my, my response is. I think I do get it, and I appreciate it. I loved watching Lonzo at UCLA. I totally get that part of it. My my question, I guess, is, look, he's a 6'6 point guard who doesn't really like to drive the basketball. He doesn't want to get in the paint. He doesn't seem to have great touch around the rim. He doesn't seem to relish contact. I mean, he doesn't really get to the free throw line. He's not a very good free throw shooter when he does get there. How good can a guard be if he just won't drive the basketball, even if he's good in a lot of other areas, which Lonzo is.
1: Yeah, that is. You saw him, and I think he had an aversion to, to attacking in part because of his bad free throw numbers. And I, I, I think for a while he was a little. He, he didn't really want to get around the rim. Essentially, he he didn't want to go and go get fouled because for the first two years of his career, he was a 43 percent free throw shooter. He was he was not very good uh, at at the free throw line, period. And and I think that um, affected him. You kind of saw his his free throw rate was was still very low this year. Um, I think his his high in a game was six. Uh, His career high is seven. That's just not something he does. I, I do think that as he was starting to get more confident with his shot, you saw him start to go a little more. Um, I think there was a game in the bubble where he went to the rim like two times in the same quarter and tried to finish at the rim, and I was like, oh, oh, this is this is kind of new. So there are still leaps that he has to make in his game, but I think ideally Lonzo is going to be at his best when he is next to another guard who can create in the half court, um,
0: and, isn't Drew and, and, isn't Drew that guy?
1: You would think Drew is that guy, and and I drew that has never been one of Drew's strengths. I think Drew has had a lot of strengths um, as a as a basketball player, um, but even Drew will tell you he doesn't like being the point guard. He doesn't like being that guy. Uh, Drew's decision making in the half court is is questionable at times. He tries to make the, the 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 pass that just shouldn't be made. There was this whole team tried to make passes that shouldn't be made. I think for for parts of the bubble where they were trying to get scoop passes to 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 favors or Zion whoever. Um, I think when he he will be at his best when he is he can play. I don't want to say as the as as the off guard because I do think his his long-range passing ability is, is, is just phenomenal. And I think and when you're pushing it, he's great. When he's in the half court, that's where you have questions. And as, as good as Drew is, I, I don't think Drew is the ideal fit next to him. They were Remember, they were supposed to be a great defensive unit, and that never really came to pass. But um, I think that the two of them together... Can they, they? can bring out some some good qualities into both of them, but uh, ideally, I, I would. I think I'd like Zion, I'd like Zoe next to someone who um, can get me into my half court sets in and out. But that being said, I don't know if there's another point guard that I'd rather have right now running with Zion in the full court, and that's that's the conundrum of Lonzo Ball is that. He seemingly unlocks the best out of Zion, but there are all these other things that kind of come with it because their their chemistry on the spin dunk, on the spin lob, <laughs> is insane. Um, we've seen Zion try to get Drew or Frank or some of these other guys to throw it to him, and they just it's just not there. Zoe can read it, and it's it's up, it's gone. Uh, the long range fifty foot oops. I mean there since you know second Spectrum has been tracking data for on that for like the last six or seven years, no one has completed more than two 50-foot oops with a dunk. Um, Lonzo and Zion did it four times in a span of you know 20 games. so it, it, it's just so much there, and I think, I think they are so perfect for each other, but there's just so many other questions that that are there.
0: Yeah, I, I think you know that's a really good point. I mean, there's nobody, no point guard I'd rather have next to Zion in full court situations, as you just said. I mean, as far as you know, the guard to fit in between Lonzo and Zion, I mean, I think probably the ideal player is someone, you know, who who can who is really good at hitting threes off the dribble. I mean, obviously, yeah. like like a Damian Lillard, I mean, that's not going to happen. But like a guy who's just elite at hitting threes off the dribble, you can go pick and roll with Zion. And if they go to a he's just going to hit a three because, you know, Lonzo, I think still got a lot of work to do in terms of attacking in the pick and roll. Um, if you have Lonzo just spotting up, you know, I think that's a pretty good position for him and he can move the ball really quickly. So I think that's an interesting question. Um, I hesitate to say this after a game in which Lonzo and Drew just went four for 22. I mean, they collectively could not have played much worse, but I'm not going to overreact here. I'd still feel pretty good if that was my my backcourt, um, you know, at the start of next year. And my guess right now is it probably will be. I mean, Drew has a year left in his deal. I guess they have a decision to make there. Um, but I, I still feel pretty good about those two guys. I, I just want to see a little bit more, even though, God, this bubble has been disappointing for those guys.
1: And I'll I'll say this, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a guard who can. It, it, it's just a player. Let me let me, I guess, rephrase that a little bit. If, even if Brandon Ingram can start to to do more things in the half court, uh, I just think you need another playmaker on that side of the ball who can who can do some different things. Obviously, Drew is going to do what Drew is going to do, and and your teams are tip. You're going to be better with Drew Holiday just because of the defense that he's going to bring and the, and the his ability to just take away one person um, when he goes first team all Drew mode. It's it's incredible. Um, but you, I don't know if it's if it's Brandon Ingram taking that step. I mean, I mean, there were some you know times in LA where Luke Walton experimented with, you know, point guard Brandon Ingram, and I think he does have that ability. But get him to that confident level, and it, you you can do some things. I just think you need to to unleash the optimal Lonzo. You just need another strong playmaker in the half court to to help unleash this offense completely.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, you know, as far as the other starting spot that I think is a pretty big question mark for <laughs> next year, the biggest one is, is center. Um, you know, this team, how this team did this year was so much tied to how Derek Favors performed. I mean, obviously he just wasn't in the lineup the early part of the year, and they really struggled. Um, they kind of turned it around as he got back. Um, he had a pretty big. He's had a pretty six pretty rough bubble game so far. Do do you expect uh, Fave to be back next year?
1: If you'd have asked me this before the bubble, uh, I would have said yes, I did. Um, now I, I, I'm still gonna lean. I, I really don't know. I, I'm gonna be honest. I'm kind of 50-50 on it now. Um, I, I, I like. I don't know if he's the guy that I'd want starting playing 28 minutes anymore. Right now, even though, like that, that, that that's what was so tricky. About those 19 games with Zion. Is that. That starting five. Alonzo Drew. B.I. Zion favors. Their numbers were. Insane. The plus 10. Uh, net ratings. The defensive ratings for. For favors were under. Like it was. It was ridiculous. And it's like man. Like, that doesn't make sense. Because you would think. Next to Zion. You want a floor spacer. And. It didn't, it played out, I think, the way other people thought in the bubble. And that's where they were, were getting raced in. And Favors didn't look like he belonged on the court at times, but there was other times where he looked like that guy still. And I think there, that level of inc- inconsistency is kind of what drives Pelicans fans mad. Um, even though I think Fave had a couple of double-doubles down there, it, I, I don't think
0: fans wanted to, wanted to even acknowledge that. Um yeah the game so, against Washington was like really the only one he had to like yeah good game for him
1: yeah, and so to me i think if, if if I'm bringing him back i I think if I'm bringing him back I'm not bringing him back as a starter I think I'm bringing him back as as more of a role player a teacher a spot guy um and I and I you know maybe it's let's see what Jackson can do now Jackson has a lot of untapped potential um but Jackson Zion out there, they're not putting up the best rebound numbers. They're, that is where they, they are both very weak at. I think, you know, he still needs to get so much better on on that end. And to me, it's just there's there's a lot there to devo- to, to to want, but you gotta just let him go, I think, at this point. I mean, but if I'm Jackson Hayes, I can't I can't post a 12, like a thirteen percent rebounding percentage. And, and be a starting center in the NBA. So that, that's where I think there's still, to me, questions about what, what Jackson can do. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, uh, I think the, if your goal is to make yeah. the playoffs next year, you, I don't think you can go into it with Jackson, his no. as your starting center. Um, you know, as far as that, that ball, Holiday, Ingram, Zion, favorite starting five, like you said, the, the numbers were so good before the pause in play. They stink in these games in the bubble. <laughs> they look um, so bad. You know, recon, reconciling those two things, I've I've seen people say that, oh, teams were shooting the three really poorly against them before the bubble, and that's kind of turned around. I don't think that group is as good as, as the numbers would suggest before the break, but I definitely don't think they're as bad it's as, as we see yeah. now. If they just ran it back with that group, I really do believe that they could contend for a playoff spot. I think they'd be, like, a good team. I, I think that, like, they probably could go, you know, 500 maybe a little north of there i mean obviously zion of favors that's not an ideal fit i mean favors is neither a guy who can hit threes or he's not really much of a lob finisher and i think you definitely have want to have one of those qualities at least you know probably the three-point thing is the biggest thing um so i would you know like to see them at least pursue some other options but i don't think it would be you know the biggest bummer in the world if 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 fave is back Um, but it's really interesting thing, you know, just, just team building around Zion Williamson. I mean, I think he can play a lot of minutes at the five for you going forward, but they probably, I mean, they can't just start him there or anything like that.
1: No, I I do think he can, he can finish there. Um, there's not too many teams that are going to finish with a big on the floor that he's not going to be able to handle. Um, and on the, on the opposite end, he should be able to get around most guys like that. Um, I, I do think if, if Fave comes back, I, I'd like to see him back in that kind of that mentor role still playing 20 or 24 minutes a night. Um, but it, it, it is a question of how do you unleash the next level of Zion and I think to do that, ideally you need a, a someone who can who can basically let Zion be the five on on offense and play the four. And, and then guard fives on the other end. Um, You know, and and I'm not saying this is, like, a guy like Miles Turner comes to mind in, in the sense of someone who can stretch the defense a little bit, stretch the, yeah, stretch the defense a little bit, um, make threes, and then go on the other side. Like, someone of, of that mold, I, I, I think is, is, is what fits, Uh, you know, I, I don't, I, I know he's your favorite, but I, I don't you know, I have questions about Melly doing that long term, but I I like Melly as where he is in his role right now. He's, yeah, Melly's a good bench his, guy, his, you know. He's a good his, bench his, guy. His his bench role right now, I think he works in, in limited minutes next to Z, but that's the the type of player I think that will will unlock the next level of Zion offensively.
0: And just to be clear, just because I like making puns about Nicola Milley on the internet, I don't think he, I'm not, uh, you know, clearing for him to get 32 or 35 minutes a night at starting center. I just, I just want to make that point real quick.
1: But if he did get 32 to 35 minutes at starting center, <laughs> you wouldn't be disappointed. Well, I, I actually
0: don't... I don't think I would be tweeting peanut butter Melly time if he was playing that much. I don't, I don't think it would go great. You know, I think, you know, my peanut butter Melly time sweet spot is like, yeah, those were, you know, five fun bench minutes there.
1: Um, I, I still hate you for that, by the way, I, <laughs> I hate, there's so much I hate about it. I hate that it actually makes somewhat sense. I I hate that there's a peanut butter time uh, like gif out there. Like there's just so much about it that
0: I just hate. Yeah, but you're well, actually a good sport about it. Like, Will Guillory actually hates me because of it. Like, when Will <laughs> Guillory sees me walk into the press room, I just see him, like, look at his phone and, like, mutter something under his breath and, like, shake his head. He's like, this fucking guy again. Peanut butter if, Melly time-ass dude.
1: If, if you, you should just, like, bring peanut butter and jelly sandwiches to the next time we actually are able to see each other in availability um, and just hand them, like, put, like, Melly's face on it. And just hand one to Will.
0: Well, I've heard I've heard rumblings from uh, you know some people on the PR team that maybe they're trying to convince Natalie to dress up like a banana for next Halloween. And if that happens, look out. That's all I'm saying.
1: Uh, I'm going to say this, man. Uh, if that happens, you will have peaked, and you should probably look for other words. I don't think it's going to get better
0: in this line of business. <laughs> yeah I mean I, I'm going to my employer and immediately asking for like a 20 percent raise if that happens. Good luck <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, what does this actually have to do with like driving subscribers so, like nothing, but did you did you see him the picture of him in the banana costume?
1: did you get did we get views off of this? Did we do anything? No, I just I did that, so I want money. Yeah. so it's a very logical thing to say.
0: Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, look at the internet guys. It's.
1: I'm telling you, we we hopefully if we get into Smoothie King Center next year, and there's a video of Nicole Melli dancing in a peanut butter, I mean in a banana suit to Peanut Butter Jelly Time. It just that's it. That's that's going to be your peak.
0: Okay, Andrew. Before we go, um, in one sentence, how would you how would you sum up bubble play for the Pelicans?
1: I could do it in one word: disappointing. Uh, that's easy. That it's. I know there's still two games left, but uh, to not be in the playoff race with two games left is it's it's very disappointing. Um, other teams in the bubble came ready to play, and you didn't. Um, the Phoenix Suns came ready to play. The San Antonio Spurs came ready to play. Portland Memphis still came ready to play, even though Portland even though uh, Memphis has struggled. Um with everything that they're doing, I mean, they're still hanging on. It was obviously going to be tough for them to be there, but, you know, they're, they're doing it without Jaren. Like, they're still hanging tough and playing hard. I think that for a lot of fans, like, that's all they wanted from the Pels was just play hard. Even going into Sunday when Alvin says, hey, we're going to go play with a Game 7 intensity level. And then you come out and you're down 14-3, to three and Lonzo – they go to take the time timeout uh, when you cross half court and Alonzo sticks the ball out to where he can get stolen for a dunk. Like that is the thing that it's like, man, that's just terrible. So it's, yeah, I can sum it up one word, disappointing, easy.
0: Yeah. I mean, guys just, you know, casually throwing the ball out of bounds, guys not hustling back on defense, you know, being out Complaining there. Complaining calls. Their, yeah. Like that's just not stuff you should have to to see as a fan base from your team and, An essentially eliminate an elimination game. I mean, I get why fans are pissed. I mean, I think Zion said it best. That's, that's unacceptable. Um, So a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of questions uh, for this team to answer. You know, I I coach obviously, but I think a lot more than that too. Um, Thanks for hopping on tonight, man. And I know this feels pretty bad right now for Pels fans, but I promise you the future is still bright. Um, I'm still optimistic about where this is headed. And I've been trying to talk myself off the ledge in the couple of hours since this game.
1: I'll I'll say this: the future is still very, very bright with with this team. Um, Zion is still a generational type talent. You you've seen the flashes from Nikhil and Jackson this year. Um, I mean, Brandon Ingram turned himself into a damn all star. Like let's like it's okay. Like it's, let's be real. Like there there is still plenty of things to like and. You have assets. You can go out and do a lot of different things. You have a lot of second-round picks this year. Um, you have those future Lakers picks, so you you can make some moves. Um, I, I think you're 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 in the right direction. And if I if we'd have told you in the beginning of the year you're going to fall, you know, three games short of the playoffs, but but be in it toward the end. I think you would have taken it. And the fact that you're not there now, okay. I know. I know it stings because of the way it happened, but the future is still, still very, very bright for this franchise.
0: All right, guys. Appreciate you guys for listening this week. We'll talk to you again soon. Um, you guys have a good one.